your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to this Wednesday early evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Uh, what a win it was again for the Penguins last night. If I'm not mistaken, that is what now? Four in a row uh, for Pittsburgh. They closed the month of March going uh, 12 and 3 and 2. Um, if my math serves me correct, that is one of the best marches for the Penguins. I think that's their best one since 2013 when they had that 15 game winning streak and they were just blowing teams out left and right. But we knew this month needed to be big for Pittsburgh. They came in to March hovering around 500. Now they exit March at 23 and 11 and 2, tied for second place in the East Division. Again, they are almost a playoff lock at this point. The only reason the Islanders have the tiebreaker right now is because of regular wins. Um, if the Penguins continue to take care of business, they have four games left against the Sabres, five games left against the Devils, a couple more against the Rangers. If they continue to take care of business against those teams, um, I think they definitely will get home ice for the first round of the playoffs. Remember those two points um, for Tuesday night's game if the Penguins do get home ice um, in the first round. And there's also an outside chance that this team could, in fact, win the East Division. They are only two points back of the Capitals of, as of this recording, excuse me, the Capitals are playing um, tonight against the New York Rangers at Ma- in Madison Square Garden. So we'll have to see if the Caps can continue their winning ways as well. But back to the Penguins. Um, you know, getting to six and two against the Islanders, that's no easy feat. Um, this is a, an Islander team that gave the Penguins fits for the last couple of seasons. I think going into this year, um, the Penguins had one regulation win in their last six, seven, eight games against Barry Trotz's Islanders. It had been a massive struggle, um, for Pittsburgh ever since they got swept. Um, in 2018-19 against that team. Um, last year in 2019-2004, the pause, um, they were just losing almost every time against Islanders. I think their only win against them came when I think Brian Rust had those heroics. They were down three nothing and they won the game four three in overtime. They may have won, they might have won another game in Pittsburgh, but, um, I think their record against them was really only two and four. And like I said, one of those wins was regulation the other one was overtime so it's been a nice contrast to see the penguins really play well against islanders like i said six wins against them um the islanders only have 14 total losses here and basically half of them have come at the expense of the penguins so islanders fans i'm sure islanders media um really don't want any part to do with the penguins as the playoffs near um if you were to ask me right now who would win a seven game series between those two teams it's close to a coin flip but honestly I would lean Pittsburgh in six to seven games. I'd probably say seven games right now for the Penguins just because of how they played against them this year. And you saw last night, it was a stark contrast from the game on Saturday where the Penguins let the foot off the gas after they're going up with their big lead. I know last night they only were up two to nothing, but... You know, even after the Islanders made it 2-1, to the Penguins locked down defensively. And this is honestly what they do when a lot of players go out to injury. I wish we could see it more often when the team is fully healthy. And I think we will, um, just because of how well they've been playing under Mike Sullivan. And, you know, ever since Brian Burke and Ron Hextall have taken over, um, you get a lot of these pieces back and they potentially add someone via trade. Um, They could lock down even better defensively against a lot of these other teams. And you saw it last night in the third period, especially. I know they didn't play that well of a second period. I think they only had 
what was it, two scoring chances, maybe one at high danger or something along those lines. The Islanders were really taking it to them after the Penguins took it to them in the first period. That first period of Tuesday night, of Monday night's game, excuse me. And yes, I do realize at the beginning of this episode, I said a Wednesday evening episode. Of course, I have my days mixed up. Today is a Tuesday evening episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. So um, please don't scold me for that. I am literally just losing track of days here, you know, as we near the month of April. So again, apologies on that, but just watching the third period on Monday, getting back to what I was talking about, um, I really only counted one shift where the Islanders were really threatening in the Penguins' defensive zone, and it was around, I'd say, the five-minute mark that you had them hemmed in for about 90 seconds. I think it was the Jankowski line, because, of course, it was the Jankowski line. Speaking of Jankowski, I don't know if any of you saw his uh, failed saucer pass I think it was after the, the Penguins' couple of goals, but it was it was a sad attempt at it. He really could not do anything right right now. And I'm really hoping that, you know, once they get some of these bodies back and potentially add someone via trade, that he truly is out of the lineup because he has been absolutely awful again. I just don't know what he's doing on a nightly basis. But, you know, coaches love that kind of player where he's just defensively responsible and nothing else. But anyways, getting back to that, um, but even when the Islanders had them hemmed in um, their own zone. They were doing a lot of perimeter passing, and Dominic Moore was talking about that on the NBC Sports Network broadcast uh, on Monday night. And, you know, I was a little bit hard on him at the beginning just because he was talking about getting under Sidney Crosby's skin and showing highlights of Sidney Crosby mad during the 2014 Rangers series. It was like, okay, nobody cares about that anymore. That's seven years ago. But other than that, I thought he did a really nice job with his color commentary. And he, he had a great line. He was saying like, yeah, the Penguins will take that all day. If you're not going to threaten in the middle of the ice, you're not going to get to the high danger areas. I mean, the Penguins will let you pass along the perimeter um, for an eternity. And that's exactly what they let them do. As I don't think the Islanders had a single good scoring chance during that 90 seconds of zone time. After that, though, just a defensive clinic for the Penguins for the last three, three and a half minutes of that period. I think in the final two minutes, the Islanders must have iced the puck three to four times. In the final minute, even, I don't think the Islanders had any zone time in the Penguins' defensive zone except for one last gasp with like less than 10 seconds left and I think DeSmith had to make a save but other than that I mean the Penguins were playing lockdown defense I tweeted this last night they out Islandered the Islanders that that's hard to do with how the Islanders play some of the most low event hockey in the league and they you know they always make you work for your chances and all that but the defensive effort that I saw last night that's probably one of the top three most impressive defensive efforts of the year for the Penguins, and I'm really hoping that continues, like I said, as they continue to get bodies back, Brandon Tanev and Teddy Bluger, I think they're getting closer. They participated in an optional morning skate um, on Monday. We'll see if they're back at practice on Wednesday. And, you know, speaking of injuries, it's almost like a soul for a soul, as Madge had said of the 412 Sports Talk. Um, Jason Zucker comes back. I thought he had a really strong game. He should have had a sure goal. I think it was when it was 2-1 to one, the third period, um, but he basically shot it right back into Semyon Varlamov, had a half-open net. Um, it couldn't do anything with it, just basically hit the outs- well, basically hit the outside of his pad, excuse me. But I was really impressed with his game last night. He was skating beautifully. For someone who was off for, what was it, 18, 19 games, something like that, um, it looked like he hadn't missed a beat at all, and he was skating like he had been playing for those last 18, 19 games. I'm really curious to see how he plays the rest of the season. He's obviously waiting for Evgeny Malkin to come back. He's waiting for Kasperi Kapan to come back, or you know, he could be waiting for the Penguins to make a trade to get a center because he might be um, the third-line left winger because of how Jared McCann um, is playing right now and, and just how he played next to Evgeny Malkin. And I'm going to touch on Jared McCann 
in the next segment. Um, as for some other stuff, uh, Tristan Jari, of course, with the injury, I don't really know what happened with that. I tried to go back and watch it. I didn't really see anything that got him hurt. There's obvious concern for a potential concussion, I guess, because the medical staff thought it would be best to pull him. Um, that, at least that's what Mike Sullivan said after the game in his post-game media press conference. So I'm not really sure what it is. I'm hoping it's not a concussion. Um, Sullivan did say after the game that it's an upper body injury. Usually he will come out and stay, say forthright that it is a concussion, but you know sometimes the symptoms take longer than you know, 15, 20 minutes, or in this case, like an hour, hour and a half to come. And so hopefully there's nothing to that there. They did recall Maxime Legace, Legace, I think that's how you pronounce him. It's either the former or the latter. I apologize if I mispronounced his last name. They recalled him to the taxi squad, so we'll have to see if that's bad news. I mean, I'm just honestly waiting for them to announce that Jari is week to week with some sort of upper body injury. But, you know, Casey DeSmith came in last night for, in relief for those 40 minutes. What a run that he is on right now. That is his eighth consecutive game where he has gone 920, 930 or better. Um, overall this season, if you look at goal save above expected, he is seventh overall, I think, with seven and a half goal save above expected. He's been one of the best goaltenders in the league this year. And if Jari has to miss a couple of games due to this injury, the team, I think, should be fine just because they don't have, I think, a, a few back, they don't have some back-to-backs coming up for a little while now. And I think the Smith should be able to hold the fort until Jari comes back, whenever that is. But, you know, like I said, I'm really hoping that it's more short-term so he doesn't have to start like 15, 16 games in a row or something like that to end the season. But he basically won them the game, especially in that second period, made a lot of 10-bell saves. I think the Islanders overall had 14 high-danger chances last night at all situations. At 5v5, it was 10. Um, he stopped just about every single one of them. The only goal that he gave up was the Matt Martin power play goal, um, basically on a deflection. He really had no chance with that one. But I just continue to be impressed with the play of DeSmith. Again, he looks like a completely different goalie than what we saw during the 2018-2019 season. And I can't wait to see how he continues to improve as this season goes along you know being seventh in goal save above expected with not even a huge sample size to go with um that's pretty pretty awesome if you ask me you know i don't think he's going to get any love for the vesna just because he's a backup you know that, that's obvious right there but you know maybe he could be a little bit of a dark horse if he gets to start a lot of games in a row but like i said I don't expect him to be a candidate for the Vezin, despite how good he has been. We still have a lot more to get to um, for this game, especially about the goals. Jared McCann, Anthony Angelo, the play of Chris Letang, and you know that call that got him pretty miffed. That's as mad as I think I've seen with Chris Letang in quite a while, if you ask me. He was really barking at the officiating as he was going to the penalty box. But before we do that and talk about some other stuff as well, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto bar customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The catalog on the site is unique and very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com always arrive below and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why should you spend up to twice as much for the same parts right now you can go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck and you can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection arrive below prices all the parts your car will ever need that is rockauto.com 
All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So let's get to some Jared McCann talk because we all know he's a very streaky player. I mean, he started off last season, I think scoring like, what, six goals in like the first 20 games, something like that. And then, of course, you know, going into the pause, he finished with one goal in his last 25 games. So, you know, obviously he's a very streaky player. Uh, but also, I, I keep saying this about that streak when he only had one goal in 25 games. His shooting percentage was only around 3.4%. So I think a lot of it was considered bad luck. Because if you look at his underlying numbers um, from that season, I mean, they were hovering around 50%. I mean, his expected goals for was around, I think, 53 54%, something like that. So he was still playing well, but also I keep going back to, like, he kept bouncing around from line to line, wasn't really finding a home. And this year, yeah, I know he's kind of been bouncing around between line and line as well, but it's not like virtually every game that this is happening. You know, if you look at his Corsi Fenwick percentage this year, 54.6%, uh, chances for 212, chances against 176. Um, that is only 23 games, so I understand it's a small sample size, but this blows away any um, of his core C percentages throughout his career. The highest before that came in 2016-17 with the Panthers when it was 51.3%. So he is having a career year right now in terms of that. Um, if you look at his underlying numbers for the month of March, so here's some stats from you courtesy of Jesse Marshall. He tweeted this out first. In case you all did not see this, um, please, if you do not follow Jesse Marshall, I don't know what you're doing. Um Jared McCann for the month of March, 57% control of the 5v5 shot share. So in other words, when Jared McCann is on the ice, they're controlling 57% of the shots. And here's another stat for you all. Um, when McCann is on the ice, the Penguins have 64% control of the 5v5 expected goals. Again, that's sensational. And 89% control of the 5v5 goals scored when Jared McCann is on the ice. I mean... I understand that he has eight goals and it's been a bit streaky for a lot of this season, but his underlying numbers are backing that up. And he's been one of their best players this season. I don't really know why some people in the media have written some trade articles about him um, during the season, even when he was playing well, you know, like the what do you do with him or something like that. I mean, the answer is obvious. You you play him, and especially with that kind of contract, he makes what two point nine million um, this year and next year. I honestly want the Penguins to extend him right now with how he's playing. If you just look at his regular points, you know, sixteen points in twenty three games this year for Pittsburgh. Even last year, um, when he went on that big goalless draw, one goal in twenty five games to end the year, he still had thirty five points in sixty six games. I mean, that's all, that's what point five. Uh, points per game. That's still pretty good, but this year it's been even better. It's hovering around like what 0.65 points per game, something like that. You know, my math is probably a little off just because I'm not a math major, but I think it's somewhere around there. And I think it's only going to continue to get better, um, especially when Evgeny Malkin comes back from his week to week injury, Kasperi Kapin, because when that line was going with McCann on there, um, they were controlling the expected goals, the goal share, the shot attempts, and virtually every other metric at an elite level and I'm really excited to see what that line can do when the other two players get healthy but um, also what a pass from John Marino 
Marino to get that puck to McCann to basically have him one time that in. Pass for long of. I thought that game from Marino last night was probably his best game of the season. And I even said it on a Pittsburgh post game with Matt Geica. It's almost like if you take away Mike Matheson from John Marino and put Marino with Pedersen, he's going to get better results because both Marino and Matheson, they love to have the puck on their stick. They're both offensively minded defensemen. I know Marino is really good defensively, but I think he's an offensive player first with how well he can move the puck and how well he can play make in the offensive zone. Mike Matheson is the same way with how he moves the puck up the ice and how he likes to play on the offensive zone. The pair just wasn't working because they were getting swarmed in their own end and just hemmed in basically the entire time. If you look, I think, at the expected goals for when Matheson and Marino were on the ice together um, in the sample size of the season, it's like 41-42%. But then when Marino is away from him, it's around 50-51%, just like you saw last year when it was with Marcus Pedersen. So keep that pairing going. I know a lot of people, you know, myself included, want to trade Marcus Pedersen for some forward help just because it makes a lot of sense and Pedersen has not really been that good this year. Um, if you do do that, um, just put someone else with Marino so he doesn't have to play with Matheson and have his game be dragged down. I mean, for God's sakes, put Mark Friedman up there or, or someone like Yuso Rikula. I think he's healthy, but he also hasn't played in, since non, basically. I still don't know why. Um, Yuso Rikula decided to re-sign with the Penguins as he's just, like I said, he's never going to get playing time unless they actually do decide to trade Marcus Pedersen. But even with the Angelo goal last night, it was great to see Angelo get, I think that was what his third goal of the season for the Penguins. I had a, I had a buddy text me last night and say, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if Angelo was the 12th forward on this team in the playoffs. And it's like, I don't mind if he's like the 13th, 14th forward. I think Freddie Goudreau should have a little bit of seniority over him because I think he's been better than Angelo. But I think in a playoff series against a team like Washington, Boston, or the Islanders, or even someone else if they decide to sneak in, I really don't want Anthony Angelo as my 12th forward just because, you know, he's the kind of player that can disappear for long stretches. I'd rather bring in someone via trade, you know, a center, you know, a right, like a winger like Anthony Mantha, someone like that, that can actually show up when needed and who's a much better player overall. So, like, I don't mind Anthony Anthony Angelo, he, he is what he is. He's a solid 13th, 14th board that can play some games for you. But if you really think you can compete with the Stanley Cup with him as your 12th forward, um, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I just really don't think he does a lot well. But like I said, it was a nice goal from him last night. But what a feed uh, from Marino again there to just kind of like circle the net a little bit and put it right where Angelo was, and he's able to tap it in five-hole past Varlamov. And the power play looked pretty shitty uh, prior to that goal. I think the first 80 seconds they could hardly even get into the zone. Even the first unit was looking pretty bad. And then, you know, well, what do you know? The Penguins get a power play goal because, of course, they do when the unit continues to stink. But, you know, the numbers-wise, it's not going to tell you it stinks, even though the process um, a lot of times looks pretty bad. Um, that's now five power play goals in the last three games for the Penguins. I think they're now 20th overall in the league for power play efficiency. So, you know, baby steps, you know, we'll do a little small clap there for the Penguins. But still, this is a power play that should be top 10 in the league with the talent that they can throw out there. So yeah, still being 20th is a bit unacceptable. The PK, again, was mostly pretty good last night. I know they gave up a power play goal to the Islanders, but I think that's now 20 of the, of the last 21 penalties that the Penguins have taken have been completely killed off. So again, you know, baby steps, the PK has gone a lot better. What do you know? When you take out Brandon Tanev and Teddy Bluger, the PK is awesome. So I'm sure when they come back, he's just going to go back to stinking for whatever reason. I really don't understand it. 
And I think that's mainly it from last night's game. Oh, I guess one more thing about the, uh, I guess we'll bring up the Chris Letang thing. Um, I, I noticed at first, I didn't really understand why Chris Letang got so miffed at the official there for what cases Zizekas did. Because on first glance, even watching the replay, I'm like, it just looks like a simple play. Um, but then watching it a second time and I zoomed in a little bit, Zizekas is basically just holding Latang's full arm in and isn't letting him go. And he's the one that drew the penalty because Latang reacted and basically uh, shoved him and cross-checked him down to the ice. I know the ref is going to call that all the time and Latang retaliated, but the ref still has to see that Zizekas is not letting him go. He's basically just bear hugging him there for like three to four or five seconds. And it's no wonder Chris Latang got so miffed at the officials there. He had a couple bad turnovers in the game overall, a little bit of an off game for him, but you know, sometimes one of your best players uh, plays like shit in some of your games. It happens. I'm sure he's going to bounce back in the next game on Thursday against the Ruins, who, yes, of course, the Penguins have not won against in Boston since 2014. So sleep with one eye open tonight, everyone. And that'll conclude this segment. Coming up in the next segment, we will get to the listener takeaways. Before we do that, it is time to talk about a couple things, one of them being bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up for. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code Locked On. And yes, finally, we cannot forget about Bilt Bar Madness. We are almost to the end of Bilt Bar Madness, in fact. The matchup today in the Flavor for Four or the Final Four, Cookies and Cream versus Cookie Dough Chunk. I This is really close, but I have to go with Cookies and Cream to get to the championship, as they say, for Bilt Bar. Then the other matchup, I think that'll be tomorrow, is Mint Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. Remember, you can go to Bilt Bar's Twitter, at bar underscore brill, or builtbar.com to cast your vote. And you can get use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BillPar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar as we conclude the month of March very soon. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at L-O underscore penguins. So let's finish up the show with some listener takeaways. I haven't done these um, in a little while now, at least a few shows, but I wanted to get them and get your thoughts. King Clark, he says, mayhaps people were overreacting when Marino wasn't the single best defenders in the sport for that three-week span. Hey, you know, Clark, I usually call it how it is. I thought Marino was playing like shit. Um, I didn't expect it to continue for a whole season just because of how well he played last year. But, you know, like I said, it's almost like if you take him away from Mike Matheson, who has brought players down this year while he's played with, you know, not to a Jack Johnson level, of course, someone gets that bad. Um, you take someone away from Mike Matheson, who's not going to the defensive zone, and you put him back with Marcus Pedersen, who's a steady defender and is a more of a defensively minded player first. It's almost like, wow, you see the rewards that Marino is reaping right now. And he's been absolutely awesome these last couple weeks. Him playing at this level for the rest of the year in the playoffs bodes really well for the Penguins' chances if they want to make a run here. Iris AJ says, hopefully Jari is okay, but it's sure nice to have two solid goalies. DeSmith was awesome. Refs were unreal with how one-sided they were after the Penguins' second goal. I mean, yeah, they were. It's one thing I always will hate and always will rant about when it comes to NHL officiating. I even tweeted this last night. The, the refing to the score. They, they always do this. Because the Penguins are up 2-1, to one, they're not going to get a penalty for some 
undivine, stupid-ass reason, you know, oh, well, they've already had enough power plays, we want to make the game interesting, or some other bullshit reason that the league has uh, to basically control their officials with how they call games. I mean, there was a couple times last night, Cal Clutterbuck was taking runs at players, and then he took a couple of runs at Brian Rust, no call in the third period. It's like, wow, you know, classic refing to the score there. You see Matt Martin taking runs at players, and... You know, I understand that that's Barry Trotz's identity line. That's their fourth line of Zizekas, Martin, and Clutterbuck. I know Islanders fans like to say that that's the best fourth line in hockey. Please. I mean, when the Penguins are fully healthy, I will take Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger, and Brandon Tanev a hundred times out of a hundred um, over the Zizekas, Clutterbuck, Martin line. I mean, two of the players on that line are not even good offensive players. I mean, that line is basically controlled by Casey Zizekas. So I really don't understand why so many people overrate that line it's it's always funny to see people just obsess over you know the way they obsess over drew dowdy i mean i'm seeing drew dowdy get uh norris favorite votes from nhl.com today and it's like are people are we watching the same sport this year where is the love for cal mccarr where is the love for adam fox victor hedman where is the love for freaking charlie mcavoy who's carrying the bruins defenders um on both of his legs i know matt grizzly has been good but mcavoy is by far their best defender and has by far been their best defender this year so i really don't get the obsession with drew dowd he's probably one of the most overrated players that i've ever seen talked about in my lifetime and it's ridiculous that this keeps happening i guess it's people in the media saying well you know he plays on the west coast so you don't get to see him a lot i mean dowd he's been good this year don't get me wrong but to say that he's the Norris favorite over players that are having their statistical seasons, I mean, that's just ludicrous to me. Um, anyways, uh, Philip Cox says, DeSmith is fire. Yep, absolutely. He was awesome last night. Big Red says, my big takeaway, it's what I shouted at the TV once the final horn sounded. Now who's winning 2-1 hockey games? Yes, absolutely. They, they beat the Islanders at their own game on Monday night. And please inject that into my veins. Everyone that has listened to this podcast knows that I hate Barry Trotz hockey. It is so boring to watch. It's this low event hockey. Like I said, it's not the devils of the 90s or the 2000s, but you know, it's... It's a tough watch, trust me. After watching it for eight games, I really don't want to have to watch it for seven more in the playoffs. I think eight games is quite enough. But yes, they out-Islander the Islanders at their own games. But he said, but seriously, it was a great show that Sullivan System works and everyone is committed. Absolutely. And I really want to see how this works when everyone comes back, especially um, Big Red. Because if they, they can make it work like this when they're fully healthy... Um, they will. It's going to be hard for a lot of teams to beat them four out of seven times in the playoffs. You know, outside of maybe like Tampa Bay, Colorado, Vegas, someone like that. Um, Philip Cox also says Lafferty has looked better these last few games. I agree. You know, I think Lafferty has looked pretty decent these last three games. It's a step up from where he was the previous. 20, 23 games, something like that. But, you know, I'm not going to complain right now if this is the way he's going to play as the team's 13th forward. I really have liked his, I've noticed his speed a lot these last few games, and his playmaking ability has also been on display um, a hell of a lot more um, than it was in the previous 20 to 23 games. So, yes, I agree with you on that. Alan T. Oder says, decent first period. Bad second, sort of, kind of good third. Too many penalties. Also, no need for constant Tim Peel jokes after just about every questionable missed call. Both Penn's goalies are incredible. Hopefully everything is okay with Jari. Uh, he was talking about the Tim Peel jokes because apparently um, Allen was at the game, but and someone a few rows in front of them was talking about that. So, yeah, I, I can understand your frustration with that. But I do agree, you know, Casey Smith, 
playing awesome. And yes, I really hope Tristan Jari is only out for a couple of games at the least. Or honestly, I'm hoping he's back at practice tomorrow because the Penguins were, they had an off day today. And we'll end it with Mr. Know-it-all. Fingers crossed it's something minor for Jari. What a dogfight. Would have liked to see a repeat of their first period in the second and third, but we can take what we can. They came hard and we answered. One was money and goal. Passed up some opportunities to put the puck on net. Yeah, I do. I think in the third period, they were passing up some prime scoring opportunities, but I think that game also looks a little bit different. If Zucker converts on that chance, I think it was um, seven minutes into the third period. If he doesn't shoot it right back into Varlamov because he had a half open net, would have made the game three to one. And I think the game would have been um, 100% over at that point. But like I said, what a defensive clinic it was for Pittsburgh. It was absolutely a dogfight. And yeah, Casey Smith again was sensational. That's probably the seventh time I've said that for this episode. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening to this one. And I'll be back on Wednesday um, sometime in the evening, early afternoon, something like that, with another episode for this podcast. We'll probably preview um, the series against the Bruins as we'll have a game on Thursday at 7 o'clock and then a matinee game on Saturday at 1 o'clock. So that'll do it for this one. Hope you all have a great rest of your evening and I will talk to you all on Wednesday.